Alrighty, everybody, let's give a rousing uh, welcome to our featured speaker, one of the most profound thinkers I know, Anthony D. Hi, everybody, my name's Anthony, and I'm an alcoholic. Um, glad everybody's here. Um, I was kind of surprised there wasn't any newcomers, but um, uh, any visitors or anybody, if you are new, if you have less than about 35 years, you're welcome to coming back. Um, I think my story is kind of different because I, for some reason, always feel that I'm different in uh, my alcoholism and in my sobriety. Um, I never do things the way uh, I've been showed, shown. Um, not from here, uh, from the Monterey Peninsula, a place called Seaside, California. Grew up there in kind of a normal um, neighborhood. Um, it was the 60s and everybody had kids and everybody played and we walked to school and uh, everything seemed um, normal to me uh, and I think I kind of felt normal at that time. As time went on, um, I don't think I felt different but I felt less than. Um, I think the um, the first thing I started using to feel different was um, tobacco. And I loved tobacco. I started smoking cigarettes when I was 10 years old. Um, and it worked. And it worked for 40 years. Um, and I still craved nicotine, which I finally quit. Um, I um, always wanted to be something different than I was. I was never... Um, I was never who I thought I should be. Um, I was um, the youngest of four, um, kind of a little sickly fat kid, um, half Italian. Um, we uh, we um, appeared to have what everyone else had, but for some reason, personally, I was not who I thought I should be, which was either tougher or stronger or um, kind of like a lower class person, I guess you would call it. Um, wanted to, um, I wanted to feel something, I guess is what it was. Although what I kept doing was suppressing my feelings um, and uh, by the eighth grade, I um, one of the kids that I ran with, um, they had like about 300 gallons of this Applejack in um, in their basement. His father was uh, Portuguese; he had turned it out being adopted. But they had all this wine in the basement, and he brought a half gallon of that crap up to Top Field at the junior high, and we all started drinking that stuff. And when you're not used to drinking, that uh, 
homemade wine got a pretty good kick to it. Um, I remember um, if you could choke down an eight ounce glass of that garbage, you were there. You were falling down. Um, my first attempt uh, puked all over my desk. Uh, don't remember what happened. I feared nothing bad happened because I um, couldn't wait to do it again. And I continued on um, that way. Um, it takes a long time to fine tune drinking when you start from zero. A uh, lot of piss in the bed and, um, you know, just falling asleep and just coming home late and not showing up and, and just not giving a crap anymore. Um, the alcohol didn't make me feel, um, it didn't make me feel equal to everyone else. It made me not care anymore. I didn't care what you thought. I, I felt pretty good. And um, eventually I did fine-tune it. By the time I was in, uh, in high school, um, you know, I, we'd drink on the bus before school. We'd do other things. Um, but I was still, I was kind of a, I tried to play it off the best I could, you know, because my dad beat my ass. If, um, it was back in the days when you could still take care of problems at home. And um, I seen my brothers get it a couple times, and I wasn't really looking forward to that. So uh, I did the best that I could to keep off the radar screen. And um, things just continued to um, become more about drinking. Uh, never went to a dance, never went to a football game, um, just drank. And if I was drinking and at a football game, we left because it was just boring and we needed to get to some serious drinking. Um, I, um, I had a couple brothers. My, um, my, my number two brother was getting ready to go in the Navy and, um, I was going to get to take over his job down at the wharf. Um, I kind of come from a fishing family, so that was kind of a starting point for me. Um, I was like 15 years old and uh, just started working weekends and holidays and summertime and um, worked on the party boat and, you know, made money and that kind of helped finance my uh, alcoholism. I. Um, I had problems. I, um, you know, they pretty much let us do whatever we wanted as long as we showed up. The big thing was not to miss the boat in the morning um, because if you miss the boat, it leaves without you and then they get very upset. Um, so I, by the time I was 24 years old, I pretty much wore out my welcome down at the wharf. And uh, some of the older guys were getting their own boats and starting to work uh, commercially. And, um, and they partied. So uh, it just seemed like the next step to go along since I kind of wore out my welcome as it was. I, um, I tried to um, do the best I could as far as um, have a good time and get away with it. I... Um, we didn't drink all the time, but when we came in, after we were done unloading, it was kind of like um, 
a bunch of freaking sailors where you just piss away your whole check in the day or two before you before you take off again. And then you you know you got free room and board and you can milk your hangover and and uh, usually takes a day to get in position so you have a the first half a day or for a day uh, to rest up before you start start working again. And um, you know I've seen a lot of things going on, but because of the denial of my drinking, um, none of it was was soaking in. You know, um, people were starting to die. A lot of the guys I ran with weren't living very long. Um, and it was always, oh, yeah, he just had a heart attack. Or, you know, the guy's 30 years old. Oh, yeah, he just had a heart attack. Or, um, yeah, he just had some bad luck. And, um, you know, when you're in your early 20s, you pretty much think um, that will never happen to me. And um, I, uh, I only had one drunk driving, and as you can tell, I'm kind of proud of that. Uh, and, that and that wasn't my fault. Uh, I was, you know, circumstances were uh, my girlfriend jumped out of the car, and in Monterey, you have to, there's a lot of one ways and, you know, go 90 miles an hour through the tunnel and then make a U-turn and then go back and try to find her down on Cannery Road. And the cop found me. But that really was, that really wasn't my fault. Um, they just changed the law. It was no longer a 502. It was, I don't know what, I don't even remember what it was. But I do remember it was 48 hours in jail and some kind of fine, and I guess they made me go to meetings that I do not remember. I remember the 48 hours in jail. I um, I was uncomfortable there, and all I remember was um, one of my buddy, one of my brother's buddies were there and told me, "Come stand over here," and um, I was I was I was okay then. And then um, I went into another 10-year blackout of uh, continuing on, you know, um, all the time thinking that, well, you know, I'm not like those guys sleeping on the beach and or under the wharf or, but I wasn't much better. I did have a car, which was amazing. Um, used to love to drink and drive. Um, Alcohol is a cheap drug, um, and and um, it's real it's real easy to maintain um, a hell of a buzz 24 hours a day. Um, I was a bar drinker, uh, which is unusual because I'm antisocial. I do not like people. I don't like to talk to people. I don't like people talking to me. Even in sobriety, um, I uh, I um, would enjoy myself for about the first 25 minutes, and usually I would either become a complete asshole or start a fight or be talking profanities real loud in front of all the tourists or. But um, they'd never kick us out. Hardly ever would I, I don't think I was, I might have got 86 out of one of those bars, but there was about 20 on there. 
so I could always just, you know, take that one out of the rotation and uh, keep going around. Um, as time went on, um, I was thinking for some reason, you know, I'd be sitting in the bar and people would come in for an hour or two and then they'd go home and, you know, and maybe people come in or, you know, and then some of the guys, there'd be a handful of us, two, three people, we'd close the place down, but a lot, most people had places to go and I kind of wanted that, you know. A lot of people talk about when they get here, what they lost. I never had anything. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have, people say they get married and they have kids. I don't know how you do that. I remember thinking, um, well, I can't get my own place because there won't be enough money to drink and party. And I was a partier and I never went to a party in my entire life. It was a, it was a party me cruising around in my Camaro and, and whatever. Pine after pine after pine, just going in circle after circle. And, um, so I was thinking to myself, um, you know, maybe if I could just get my shit together, which meant maybe have five or ten drinks and then go home, or go pass out on the boat, that, that things might get better, you know. Um, I, I was looking for a change, but I wasn't sure how, um, how willing I was to um, try to change. At the time, I remember um, I, I always had asthma real bad when I was a kid, which is amazing since I started smoking at 10. But um, my mom had me go to the doctor, and um, the doctor says, even if you quit smoking, you're going to die of emphysema in 10 years. And I said, ooh, that's not good. So I, um, I said, I don't have to quit drinking, do I? And he says, no, just that smoking. So I said, ooh, right on. So I started riding my bike. I was only 27 years old. I was still a young guy. So I started riding my bike and, and working out. And I go back about three weeks later, and the doctor goes, you just put 10 years back on your life. And I think, this guy's full of crap. This must be some scam him and my mom got to get me to quit smoking. So I start smoking, I start drinking, I quit working out, and I just go on another runner for about five more years. Um, I don't know, other than I just hate to be told anything, even in sobriety, I don't like to uh, take suggestion. Um, but I ran for a couple, three more years, and I, um, I was down at the, I think I had my boat then, I was down at the wharf, and um, I was drinking, of course, because it wasn't working. And um, I saw my wife down there. I saw Michelle, and, um, you know, I was thinking, you know, if this is going to work, you know, I'm probably going to have to do something different, and maybe that means I have to quit drinking. So um, I didn't quit drinking right away. But I kind of started, you know, making the move on her a little bit, and um, 
And, and it seemed like, you know, maybe I had a chance, because usually I didn't have a chance, and I hated women anyway. So um, I figured it probably wasn't going to work out anyway. But, um, you know, I was thinking for some reason, I must have had a flashback about going to meetings or something, because I don't remember ever going to any. But I went to the Lano Club because I figured, well, you know, maybe, maybe, Maybe I need to quit drinking. I was like 30 years old by then. And um, I'd go to the meetings, and then I'd go down to the wharf and drink. And I was listening, and I was listening. I kind of wanted it. And then I would get like 30 days. And then I think that was my uh, controlled drinking stage. Um, I'd get 30 days, and then I would, um, because I, I knew I was probably an alcoholic, Although I didn't want to do anything to actually stop drinking, I was hoping I was just going to, somehow they were going to wave the cross over me or something, and I was going to get it. But I figured, you know, probably alcoholic, but I ain't no drug addict. You know what I mean? So I'd go down to the wharf, smoke some weed, do some other stuff, and just sit there and drink like Coca-Cola, staring at all those bottles back behind the wall there. And um, i drink. I drink. And to this day, I can tell you, I don't know if I'm an addict, but I can't do one thing without doing everything. I have a real hard time because when I start drinking and I start doing other stuff, I start doing all the stuff together all at once. And sometimes it lasts for three, four days, and sometimes I make it home. But the worst feeling is hearing those freaking birds chirping in the morning and you're thinking to yourself, oh yeah, you did it one more time and now you got to try to fight through the whole 10 hour day and, uh, you know, try to survive. And um, so I was doing my controlled drinking. Also, I believe, honestly believe that was kind of my detox too. I guess I was kind of weaning off. I don't know how bad I was. I always compare myself to my brothers and everybody else. Um, and of course I wasn't that bad, you know, because I'm special and I'm unique. And um, I could pretty much do everything with just my brain power. Um, <laughs> my last drunk was March 10th, 1991. Um, me and my running partner, um, hit all the bars, we went downtown, we went to a different town, we drank there, we went to Basso's, Segovia's, we went down, we hit it all, we went back to his house, we drank to 4 a.m., and I was sober. And then I was thinking, now what the hell do I do? And I came to a point where it says in the book where we come to the point where we cannot drink and we cannot not drink. And I was worried, you know, because I have a superhuman brain and I'm supposed to be able to not be like you people. You know, I know I'm an alcoholic, but somehow I was supposed to be able to stop on my own. Um, once again, I remembered this meeting up on the hill where they had some cookies. So I boogied on up there. And I um, ran into a guy I used to fish for, and this other guy that um, 
used to run with one of my brothers. So I, I said, uh, Uncle Phil, I said, what are you doing here? You know, he says, oh, I, I got uh, a year. And I think, whoa, you, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Phil was a way cool dude. I, so um, I go, Phil, how about being my sponsor? He goes, well, yeah, I don't know about that. He says, but Frank's my sponsor. He'll sponsor you. And I kind of knew Frank. I knew him from the war. He'd been at the war. He ran with all those guys. And Frank had about three years or so. I don't know. He might have had a little bit more. And I, and I was willing. And um, Frank started sponsoring me. And Frank was a good sponsor, except for I hate him. Because <laughs> he would tell me to do all these things that I didn't want to do. That I did not want to do. Luckily, um, I was in between seasons there, so I had like a couple, three months before I had to do anything, and I had plenty of money to, to hold me over. And um, so Frank was telling me all this stuff about, you know, you've got to read the book, and I'm thinking, wow. You know, because I never even read a book cover to cover in my entire life. I was thinking, man, those books must cost a lot of money. So I waited, and I waited, and after about three weeks, I, I found out it was like $4.75. I still have that book. Um, you know, the guy with the enormous brain, you know, is, is dragging his feet because, uh, you know, he might need that five bucks for something else, you know. And, and I think that's why um, we have the best chance of succeeding after we've been through a living hell because we don't have any options. Um, I, for some reason, still thought I might have options, at least not having to do what he said. Um, he uh, would always want me to be the treasurer or the secretary of a meeting. And I would tell him, you know, that's cool, Frank, but you know, if i got to go fishing, I'm going to be gone for a couple, three months. And he says, oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You know, I'll take over your... Your commitment, if, if, if you got to go, and always within a week or two, he'd be stuck with another commitment. Um, he took me to conferences. I did a bunch of stuff. I did a lot of stuff. I did not do a lot of stuff right off. Um, me and Michelle were going out, and he told me, yeah, you shouldn't be in a relationship. But with my great brain power, I knew that I could pull it off because by not drinking, that was my problem, drinking, not being a total freaking asshole. So, um, you know, I um, ran that into the ground, just being myself. Um, and um, that's when the growth came. When the pain was there, that's when the growth came. That's when I really dug my feet in and started doing it, started reading the book, Started started working the steps, and um, back home, they only expect you to have the fourth and the fifth step done by your first year, and then after your first year, they let you chair at a at a, usually the home group, the big meeting, and um, so you know. I'm reading, I'm reading, I'm reading. We just read this stuff over and over and over again. And sure as shit, this stuff starts happening in my life. And I start thinking, well, I've come to the realization what these steps are really about, how they affect me and how it 
is really about me. Because I still want to think, yeah, on the surface, these steps sound really cool. But I do not need to do them. I do not need to do them. I can tell you all about them. I can tell you why you need to do them. But they do not pertain to me. Now, what that gets you is a lot of pain. And um, if anyone is new, um, what I would suggest is um, all this stuff in this book is freaking for real. This is a real deal. It's all right down. It's all right there. It's spelled out in plain English. And millions of people have already done this and found it to be true. Um, unfortunately, for people like me, um, I ha- always have to learn the hard way, even in sobriety. So um, if you do not enjoy pain, um, do it 100%. You could do it 40% like I have over the last 22 years and bang your head against the wall and be an asshole half the time and hopefully still stay, stay sober. But you don't have to go through all that pain. That is not what our higher power is trying to give us. We, um, I honestly believe that um, I don't think I deserve this. Luckily, my higher power does believe I deserve this. Um, And I think that's the only reason why I'm still here. Every time I... I have never thought of drinking, but I never thought of putting alcohol, actually drinking it. I, because I know when I was doing my little detox and controlled drinking, I actually proved to myself that I, I am an alcoholic. There is no more need to determine that maybe possibly somehow I'm going to grow a new leg and be able to drink. It, it, it is not in the cards for me. And luckily, the good part about that is this program. That I, This is my medicine right here. This is where I can get some relief from inside my head. They say, you know, you, you hear God speaking through other people. I believe that because the voices that I hear in my head are not God. That guy, that guy's a real butthole. That guy says a lot of crap and shit. He's thinking bad things all the time. He is not a good person, and and he doesn't want me to be happy. Um, after a couple, three years, and I got my shit together, semi pretty good, um, Michelle and I started seeing each other again, um, and we got married. And, um, you know, I didn't know what, that's like the big book. I didn't know what that was. I thought that meant I go to work, and if I come home, you feed me, and then I go to work again. I don't, I don't, honestly don't know how to do, I don't know how to do anything. I have to be taught. And even after 20 years, I'm not a very good student. Okay? Um, luckily, she puts up with me most of the time. Um, 
my oldest brother um, uh, died because of this disease. Um, he was actually killed in an automobile accident um, by a drunk driver, ironically. He was dying of cirrhosis of the liver. He was only about 40 years old. And that uh, was just before we got married. And um, and this program was here for me. Everybody back home, they, they, they helped me. And, um, um, and, you know, and my sponsor says a lot of this stuff that I don't want to hear. And, um, you know, I went through, we went through a lot of things that were difficult. And um, it's all covered in this book about how to handle things and um, how to avoid making new messes. You know, um, we try to we, we try to clean the slate and try to not add new boo-boos on there every day that we need to continue to work on. Um, after we got married, um, hell, I think we moved to Visalia. That was about 18, 18, 19 years ago. We moved to Visalia. There's supposed to be a job here. I don't know why I didn't get to keep fishing, but we came here. I'm sure there was a job or something. We came here. We bought a house. Everything was way cool. Victoria was born. And then um, I lost my freaking job. And uh, um, I went back to Monterey and started fishing again. Um, and I freaking commuted for about, about four or five years. And then um, I was still fishing the whole time. I'd um, fish salmon and albacore on my boat. And then in the wintertime, we fish squid down the Channel Islands. And um, I just hop back and forth. And I come home every weekend or every couple, three weeks, or I'd be home for three months or whatever. And it kind of worked. When Victoria knew who I was rather than just that guy, you know, and it was daddy, it kind of got harder. It kind of got harder. Um, I was never home, and um, Michelle was here pretty much by herself, and we moved to Salinas. We moved back home. And um, I kept fishing, and uh, we bought a house in Salinas, and, and just life, just life. I had, um, I had uh, Francis still my sponsor, and um, he was always telling me things I didn't want to hear, and I was doing my best to power through it, but mainly I continue to um, try to prove him wrong. I also had another buddy, my buddy Bill, that had like 10, 15 years by the time I made it back to Monterey. Um, he used to always tell me the opposite that Frank would tell me. So, um, which was the best? Because um, Frank would tell me that I was the sick one, and Bill would always tell me, those people are the sick ones. Um, so what I would do is I'd just pray and try to figure out which one of us was the sickest and and try to clean it up that way. Um, things never went really smooth for us. Um, we um, we did the best we could. Um, 
my dad was getting old. Well, he was. He, my dad was dying, and um, I uh, and we were getting ready to. We didn't like Salinas anymore, and um, we were going to move back to Visalia. And uh, I was waiting for my dad to die. He was in the rest home, and, and he worked real hard to try to make it home. And we finally got him home, and a couple weeks later, right after his birthday, he died. And um, and I moved back to Visalia. I was still commuting there while they were still here the last two, three months. Um, got through that. That was hard. And then... Um, and then my other brother died right after that. Um, um, because of this disease, he um, he drank himself to death. Um, he uh, he wasn't doing good after my dad died, and um, he was really going off the deep end, and and he didn't want to listen, and um, he wanted to drink himself to death, and he got a got a drunk driving, and. Um, they, uh, instead of taking him to Salinas, to the county jail, they uh, decided just to cut him loose early. And I know what he was doing. He was looking to see where the car was. And uh, at about 6 o'clock in the morning, he stepped out in front of a car doing about 40 miles an hour and got himself killed. Um, no matter how you look at it, that's alcoholism. Um, you know, my dad told me, that he was alcoholic, and if I think really hard, I do remember him drinking, and I do remember him yelling and screaming constantly. And at the funeral, they even mentioned how far down the street they could hear my father yelling all the time. Um, that is untreated alcoholism right there. That's what that is. That, that misery. No release that we get from this book of all those things, all that pressure. That that's what that was. Um, and you know, when I was newly sober, my dad told me, you know, he, he more or less told me that you know, the freaking man just quits. You don't need to go to AA. And if I wasn't, um, if I didn't have the foundation that I had from Frank and my other sponsor and all those people that were helping me, I would have drank. Because I used to drink over shit like that that he used to say all the time. Um, shit, we almost left the house in Salinas. We've been bankrupt. Sickness, death. We made it. We made it. And every time I'd ask Frank, what do you think we should do? And we just pray about it. And he'd say stupid shit like, even if it doesn't work, we'll learn something from this. And um, and I did. Looking back, I see so many lessons that I could have learned so much earlier. And so many lessons that I continue to forget and have to repeat day in and day out because of my hard-headedness. Um, we um, sold the house between us, moved back to uh, Visalia, found another house. I mean, it just went boom. 
we we closed one house and opened the other house a week apart in the in the proper direction so that we could move out of this one and into this one without skipping a beat, without having not a place, no motel rooms, so just load up the stupid things, zippity doo dah, you know, two three times, and we're into a brand a brand new house. We were we were looking for a house. And for some reason they're doing some stupid, I guess houses were hard to find here. There's some stupid lottery. We say, well, we'll just go there. And if, um, if we win the lotto and get the house, it's God's will. Simple. Right? So we go there. We don't win the lotto. And I'm thinking, what the hell does this mean? We go back to Salinas. Three days later, they call. They said, a house just opened up for you. Huh? Pretty badass shit. <laughs> a lot of good things happened. I got, I got, I got a stepdaughter and a granddaughter, and Victoria, who I named after my brother, my first, my number one brother, and then I have my son Anthony. Two pretty good kids. My poor daughter's exactly like me, so. <laughs> I'm very proud of her. She has uh, nine months and two weeks. So, um, I, I like to think that because I lost my brothers, that maybe God's looking out for my immediate family here. My wife came into the program. She's getting the hang of it. I, I want to thank all the women here. Or just grabbing hold of her and holding her down and putting your hand over her mouth and trying to and just trying to calm her down. Thank you very much. I wanna when we've lived here for like eight freaking years now and I just finally decided that I lived here too. Um, after about four years here, uh, I didn't go to a lot of meetings here because you people aren't like me. There's no half Dago kids from Monterey that were fishermen that live here. I cannot relate to you. You guys are all different. And and I don't like you and, and I don't have to be around you. And then what I did was once again I got in enough pain that I actually reached out my hand. I started going to the men's meeting on uh, Monday night and um they allowed me to um, say however I honestly feel. Usually I don't speak to at a meeting like this. I'm more of a Alano club or a men's meeting kind of a speaker because of my violent outbursts. <laughs> but um, but uh, I started going to the men's meeting, and that's kind of my home group. I would say if I had a home group, it would be the men's meeting. I, uh, a bunch of really good guys. Freaking Tommy, I don't know where you're at, Tommy. My buddy Tommy, very nice man. Um, he was, he knows about kids. My daughter, you know, she's only been here nine months, and, um, you know, when she was crashing and burning, I was crashing and burning too. And that's when I started asking for help. I don't ask for help because I don't need no freaking help. Um, but I do need help. And why wouldn't I ask for help? 
why wouldn't I get the strength? Two, two, two's better than one, and, and ten's better than five, and and twenty. We could we could do this thing, you know. People were there for me. I I actually reached out and I started talking to people because I was freaking out. Um, you know, I can give the best advice to anybody who I really don't know, and it's good advice. But I'll never take that advice. When it, when it has to do with my kids, I'm gonna, I don't know what I'm gonna do, but I'm freaking out. I have no sense of anything that I've learned over the last 22 years. Um, somehow, through the grace of God, my daughter did make it in here, and I hope she hangs on to this. Um, the hardest part to all this is that we see people come and we see people go. That freaking kills me. Um, that's why I mentioned that, um, you know, I, I wish there were some new people. You know, like, where's Phil? My brother Phil. Man, he, he, he's doing it. He's doing it. He's doing it. He wants this. I can see it in him. When you see guys like this, after the year, wow, that makes that makes me know that that I'm happy to still be here. You know what I mean? This program works. If you are new and that's under 35 years or less, <laughs> stay here. Do it right now. Don't wait. To, don't no control drinking. It, no. Bullshit. Do exactly what you're told right now, the first time, and get and get the good stuff from this program. Not the crappy coffee, not the stale donuts, not all that crap, not the cigarettes. Hang out with the winners. And the winners are the guys not with 60 days like you, but the guys with 10, 15, 20 years. Hang out with your sponsor. We always went to have coffee. Me and all the other loser newcomers and my sponsor, we drink coffee because I didn't have to work and, and just stay up and talk and just, and, and become a group and get that strength. Get that strength. Don't be by yourself. That's when that freaking asshole in there starts talking to you and telling you maybe one more time. You, you, you don't, we don't know how many times we got guys go out and they never come back. They never come back. A lot of damage can happen overnight. People die all the time. We don't know how long we're going to be here. What, what, a, what a shame it would be if you only had a year to accomplish something and you screwed off drinking for one more year. Wouldn't you like them to stay instead of saying, yeah, he was a wild one? They say, he was a good guy. He tried to help people. He tried to be something different, something useful. And um, I haven't always done that. But I sure appreciate what everyone has done for me. Um, if you're here, stay here. Don't mess around. Um, 
I think that's all I have. I'm Anthony. I'm alcohol. Thank you.